0: Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries podcast. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. Just a little bit about myself. Um, Isaac mentioned it a little bit, but I actually am, I'm a full-time missionary uh, with Missouri State Chi Alpha, so I spend most of all my time right now with university students. Um, I work specifically a lot with our international students that come. And man, it is a blast. It's a lot of fun. So some of you in this room, I know some will go to Evangel, some will go to other like Christian universities, but also I know some of you might find yourself at a state university or at some other place. And just want to put a plug right now that if you do, be a part of a campus ministry Um, because a community of believers who are challenging you to grow in your faith is so crucial, um, no matter where you're at. Um, no matter what university or place you get to. So if you want to know more about Chi Alpha, just track me down afterwards and stuff. So uh, with that, before I start, is it all right if um, I just pray? Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. So yeah, Father, we just come before you right now, God. and And Jesus, it is all about you. God, the reason why we're here... The reason why we gather, the reason why we are committed to this community is because we want to know you, God. So, Jesus, I pray right now that you would come, God, that we would, we would grow in our understanding of who you are tonight. God, that you would challenge and, and prick things out of our hearts, Lord, that despite whatever words are spoken tonight, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to our hearts? Would you come uh, illuminate things that we need to challenge in ourselves? And at the same time, would you show us new revelations of of things we didn't know before? Because, God, if you are so loving and so all-knowing and so endless, God, then we know that you go beyond this space and you go beyond this time. And we know, God, that there's so much that we can always keep learning about you. And so, Father, we just give you this time and we give you this, this place, God, to come and have your will and do your way. So, Jesus, we love you. And uh, we ask all this in Jesus' Amen. All right, so how many of y'all here saw Endgame? What? I see some hands down. You guys haven't seen Endgame yet? Okay, so this is like, I have a a kind of funny story about the whole Marvel Universe (laughs) series. So can anyone tell me when the first Marvel movie came out? It was Iron Man. What year? 2008. Guys, how long ago was that? That was forever. I was starting high school when that first movie came out, and it was, like, revolutionary. Like, I know some of y'all are like, man, I was born 2000 or younger. I was, like, eight, seven years old, six. Like, literally, for me, that movie was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is incredible. But the sad part is I had to wait, and we had to wait ten years to get to the finalization of all the movies, you know, Captain America, then you have Civil War, you have all these, like, movies in there in between. And so, like, I'm not, if you ask my friends, you're like, oh, you're hanging out with Samuel, what do you like to do? Usually they will never say watch movies. I'm not a big, like, huge movie person, but I was like, man, I've had to wait 10 years to see Infinity War, you know, the one before before Endgame. I didn't know there was going to be a sequel so I thought I thought that was it. And so I was like, you know, I'm not big into movies, but you know what? I'm going to go all out for this last one. And so normally whenever I do go see a movie, I'm like, okay, I'm going to look up, I'm going to find like the spoilers, I'm going to look up the trailer. It's like I just want to know what I'm getting myself into, but I was like not for this one. For this one movie, I've waited 10 years for this movie. And so I I like I set the schedule and I was like, man, okay, Someone's talking about this movie, I'm leaving the room. I'm out the door. If anyone's trying to show me YouTube, like, I am like, oh, no, ah, I'm, like, not watching that. You anyone like that? Yes, let's go, right? Yeah, I see some nods. Okay. So it's like, I, I literally worked so hard to the point of, I was actually in school when Infinity War came out, and somebody in my class was giving a presentation, and they were including bits of Infinity War, the Avengers movie, in the lecture, and I I asked my professor if I could leave the room, and I did. <laughs> so I actually, I left the room, because I was committed. I was like, I'm not going to see this movie. Like, I'm going to walk into this movie blind, and it's going to be the best experience I've ever had. Um, because it's like, I've waited so long for this, and it's going to be incredible. And it was a, it was a good movie. Um, but oh my gosh, i got to tell you my story. Because I, so eventually, I made it through. Nothing got spoiled for me, and I'm at the movie theater, and I was with my two roommates at the time, and we were excited, and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm getting myself into, you know, I'm getting amped up. It's like I have put all this work into for months trying to avoid spoilers, and we walk into the movie, and I'm sitting there in the reclining chairs, leaning back, and all of a sudden the movie starts, the music's playing, and then immediately to my left, my roommate's sitting, and I just see this boop. And his watch was going off. He had like a smartwatch, And this light just kept going off. And I just was like, oh. Like, you know that like head jerk when something like catches your eye? And so it's like, I'm just so enthralled in this movie. And yet, like every five minutes. Turns out the movie was during the NBA finals. And my roommate, who's a huge uh, Cavaliers fan, um, was getting updates the entire movie. and never turned off his phone. And so I kept seeing this light going off. entire time and for me I was so sucked into the concept that to experience this movie I had spent so much effort to like engross myself in it without spoilers that like instead of doing the reasonable thing of like you know hey dude like shut your phone off (laughs) like stop I just sat through it and every five minutes my head was just like jerking to see like his phone to the point of I missed the last scene in the entire movie of Infinity War. And so it's like, man, I walk out of that movie and I'm like, I'm 15 paces ahead of my roommates because I'm like, I'm like going Hulk rage mad. Like, I'm like, oh, uh, like I spent so much effort for like two months trying to avoid this. And my experience of the movie was completely ruined because it didn't live up to the expectations that I had like set of like how great it was going to be because my roommate had kind of spoiled that experience for me. Um. <laughs> I eventually I went and I saw it again and I actually enjoyed it the second time. I did not enjoy it the first time. And I kind of decided after that, okay, I'm never doing this again. Like that was a waste of time. Um, and so I watched all the trailers for Endgame and I had a much better experience with that movie. So, maybe yeah, you guys can relate to that. But hey, okay, let's uh, I'll we'll get back to that story a little bit, but I just kind of want to ask you guys, so we've you've been in this series called Radical Religion. And so I want to know from you guys, what If you had to give me, like, a definition of what religion is, what would you say? Just go ahead, go ahead. Anyone can just call it, like, what is religion? Like, what comes to your mind? Okay, traditions. What else? Okay, an organized structure of belief. What else? What else? If you had to say, what is religion? I see this back row thinking. Come on, I need a, I need a back row comment. What? What? What was that? I see. Okay, I see head shaking. Come on, someone else. Anyone else? How about someone over here? What is religion? It's not a trick question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, rules and things you have to set and follow. Okay, has anyone heard this phrase before um, when talking about Christianity? It's about relationship and not about religion. Anyone heard that phrase before? That's a pretty really common phrase, I think, that we kind of throw out there all the time. And so I, I actually like what you guys were saying right over here. And so I actually, go ahead to the next slide, like... One of the things, like, if I could just define religion, and this is important, I know Isaac's already done a great job of kind of, like, teasing this out for you guys, but really, I think, in some regards, we get caught up, and we need to realize that religion, in some regards, is just the practices, the activities, you know, the things that we do that help us to really daily engage with God. You know, they're the things that, like, honestly, like, us even gathering in this place, we're practicing religion, right? We're, we're, we just had, like, worship, You guys are hearing someone preach? Like, these are all things that we do that we do on a consistent, on a weekly basis. You guys come here every Wednesday, right? To hear a word, to to be engaged in a community. These are things that we would typically just ascribe and and name, like, yeah, this is religion. It's the things that you're doing. But I think the very important distinction that we have to make, and that we're gonna kind of, like, tease out, like, I really wanna take that concept uh, of religion and really just kind of, blow it up, at, not blow it up in a bad sense, but in a sense of, let's just, let's, let's see what it means. Like, what, is, what does this actually mean? And so, I think the thing we have to realize, especially about that phrase, you know, it's about relationship and not about religion, is that truly what it means by that is that Jesus is the only way to life, to true life. And sometimes we try to, like, mix up that equation, and we look at the practices, we look at the the gatherings that we're at, and we're like, oh, okay, to find Jesus, to pursue him, I just have to come to these things every Wednesday. Or I just have to say the right things. Or I just have to know the right verses to respond to people. And it's like, if I get the practices, if I get the activities done, then that means that I will have, you know, a relationship with God. Um, When in reality, if Jesus could really be found through those things, through our practices, then what we're kind of saying, I'm just going to kind of lay it out there for you, is you're kind of saying that your salvation is dependent on your own works. You're saying it's dependent on my ability to perform, my ability to accomplish, my ability to kind of do things. And I think that's a subtle thing that sometimes we don't really remember because religion is not bad in and of itself. And it's good to to have these practices, to do these things. But we have to remember and we have to realize that we cannot lose sight of the why and of the who. Why do we do these things? And who do we actually do these things for? And so I just, you know, I kind of want to, again, just kind of tease this this concept out for you guys. And I say this because it's really easy, and, you know, we're obviously in a scripture series, and so you guys have been going through the book of Matthew. And it's, I think it's really easy, if we have a wrong understanding of religion and of relationship, to read scriptures, to read these things um, and when we see a list, especially in chapter 6, when we have, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, blessed are the, the poor, the meek, when you fast, when you pray, when you give, it's easy to make your first human response to reading these lists. And so immediately, I think our brains, just in human nature, we make this connection where we say, okay, so what do I have to do? What do I have to accomplish or start incorporating if I really want to know who God is? And so I, I think that like if we lose sight of the fact that it's about Jesus and we just focus on these lists, then we're honestly, we're kind of falling back into this, this reprioritization of religion over, over Jesus. And so um, we're going to kind of tease this out a bit. And so I would say the reality in, in what I just kind of shared with you, like this idea of um, you know, prioritizing and making lists and of, of always trying to figure out what do I have to do, that's not a new issue in the church for thousands of years. In fact, that's one of the things that I think, if, we look, if you look back in church history, that's one of the things that many people are very good at doing, creating long lists of this is what you do and this is what you don't do and that becomes the focus of what it means to follow God. And in fact, this is the very same issue that Jesus had to address through the entire New Testament. If you are reading, you're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what Jesus what is he doing all the time? He is confronting Pharisees on prioritizing the law over a relationship with God. You know, between the end of the Old Testament and the New Testament, we have about some 400 years of history. Do you know what happened in the Jewish like, culture during that time? They would go and comb through the Old Testament, find verses where Scripture would say, like, you know, on Sabbaths, you're not supposed to work. And they would, and they would say, okay, don't, you know, walk two miles. And they would go and, and write in their own literature and say, okay, well, if Scripture says not to work that much, we're going to make it even harder So if it says don't walk two miles, we're going to say don't walk one mile. And they would do that. So you have about 400 years of them adding laws and traditions and rules onto what it meant to follow God. So when Jesus comes, when you see in the Gospels, he's inundated in a culture of people who are very good at telling you what you can do and you can't do. They have it down to a science. They have whole professions where it's like this is what it means and this is what it doesn't mean. And so sometimes we read scriptures, like tonight we're gonna to read some verses that say, do not do this, do not do this, or when you do this, et cetera. It's easy to look at that and immediately, okay, let me, let me go and make this, this new way of, of, of practicing or following Jesus. But in reality, in the context, Jesus is actually challenging the legalism of his day in the culture. And what he's actually pointing to, and we're, we're gonna tease this out, I'll show you guys, what he's actually pointing to is saying like, look, I want a relationship with you guys. I want a relationship with you. I want you to know and have intimacy and to actually love me. And so it's like what he's saying, he's saying like, look, you've been living your life ascribed to these systems, ascribed to these ways of living that is leading you down a path of of building your own kingdom, of bringing your own salvation. And the reality is, You haven't found your dependency or your love of me. And so I I love this. And later in Matthew, um, in Matthew 9, Jesus actually says, go, and I love this. He says it to the Pharisees. He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus is actually quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting Hosea 6, 6. Uh, Hosea 6, 6 says this. It says, and this is the prophet Hosea, the Lord speaking through him. God is saying, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Like, man, this verse is a slap in the face to the Jewish legal system of Jesus' day. Because they were so concerned about sacrifices, so concerned about what they're doing, that they had lost sight. (laughs) that what God wants is he wants them to know him. Jesus came to bring us a message of hope, but also a message of saying, I want to know you. And I want you to know me. And I think that's, that's the thing that sometimes we lose in context. And when we think about like, oh, why do I go to church? Why do I do all these things? We lose sight of the why and we lose sight of the who. Because God desires to have an authentic and real relationship with us. When we approach the Bible, we have to approach it as a way to find Jesus Another way to say it is that reading scripture is how we have to learn how to abide in him. Do you guys know what that word means, abide? Abide in uh, John 15, it says, John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branch. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus wants us and God wants us to abide in him, meaning we're spending time with him. And that is revolutionary to a system of people who thought that the way to be with God was just to offer the right sacrifices, and that makes you good and right. That's really different, right? And so how do we actually apply that today? Because, I mean, I, I really see this as similar to my story with uh, Avengers Infinity War, because, see, I had created this complete system that I had created an expectation that the best way to experience that movie was to do so from the set of conditions and rules that I had followed and I was like oh man I was meticulous like I'm not gonna see any spoilers right and I accomplished that but the reality is when I actually got to the movie I lost sight of why I even wanted to see the movie I lost sight of even the importance or the people around me it didn't matter All that had mattered was whether or not I kept away from spoilers. You see that? And so, like, I think we do that sometimes with Scripture, too. We do that with how we pursue God, is we create this way of pursuing God, or these expectations of rules of what it's supposed to look like, and the reality is is our experience of that doesn't line up to what God is like. God, you know, I did all these things, I said all these prayers, and yet you didn't show up in my life. Yet you didn't answer this prayer that I had offered up to you. And so we turn away, and we reject God because he didn't meet all these standards or rules or things that we thought we had followed. Does that kind of make sense? And so let me just say it another way. You start with relationship, and from relationship flows our religion, the way we, we pursue God, not the other way around. You don't start with the rules and the ways and stuff. You start with coming to God. And from our relationship, from our walk with God, flows from the outflow of that relationship with him, flows this desire within us to, to better pursue him, to change and transform our lives, to actually look and look like how the scripture says. And it, the, the cool thing is, as he says, I will do that in you and through you. And it's not going to be by your will in your strength in your might and in your ability, but in my ability, in it, God's ability. And so... Um, we're gonna do this. So I kind of have a list of three things that um, this concept of you know starting with relationship and reading scripture from that perspective. I think it's important for us to realize that that should really influence the way we read and interpret scripture. So the Bible guides us to finding Jesus, and it teaches us how to abide in Him, and and how to grow in the knowledge of God. Again, knowledge of God from Hosea. And so I actually want to take this concept of like, okay, let's read scripture to find Jesus, to find, about, find out about the character and the nature of who God is. We're going to do this tonight, and we're going to do it through the scripture reading that we have out of Matthew. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's start that. So in Matthew 6, 19, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. And then we're just going to talk about it, right? So verse 19 reads, Matthew six nineteen reads, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. That's a nice first part. It goes on to a second part, and it says in 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And then this section ends with another part, part three. It says, no one can serve two masters, For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Now, I think it's easy, like I said, it's really easy to look at these scriptures and look at these three parts and be like, Okay, you know what we're going to do? From now on, okay, if this is a church, okay... Well, God says not to put your treasures. So I want everyone to take all your treasures, take all your your money, everything you've accrued, come and put it in this pot, and then that's going to be the right way to pursue God. Oh, and you know what? Just to make sure that we aren't looking at anything bad, I need all your phones. I need your laptops. I need need to have a list so I can see everything that you guys are reading, and we're going to put that here. Oh, and on top of that, I need to make sure that anytime you get a job, that that check that you get actually comes to this pot. Because we have to actually give up all these things. Do you see, like, there's people have literally acted out on those things before. But the question is, what is Scripture actually saying? Why is Jesus saying these things? What is the root behind the message that he's saying? And go ahead to the next thing. I think it, what do these verses tell us about Jesus? The first thing is that I think, overall, we can realize that what Jesus is speaking to for these people is he's saying, that Jesus wants us to choose him over and above the things of this world, that we begin and start with him. Verse 19 through 20 is that Jesus says, choose me, trust me, put your hope and faith in me over the possessions and the treasures that you have. 22 through 23, Jesus, choosing Jesus over the temptations and the pleasures, you know, I I have this desire for these things, and instead of fulfilling it in, in the worldly way, Pursue God. Be full of light. In verse 24, choosing Jesus over all other masters. You see, he's speaking to a people and to a society that was saying, hey, your worth, your value, your identity is based on your possessions. It's based on your ability to, you know, get pleasure and to satisfy yourself. And it's a society where it's like your value is pretty much determined by how much money you have if you got lots of money you got lots of resources and stuff it's like you're good like that is the system even in the jewish culture where it was your identity was formed and based on your ability to accrue success and wealth does this sound like any other society you know of (laughs) this sounds like springfield missouri 2019 this sounds like america right this sounds like the society we live in that cares so much about, like, your value is, is the cool clothes you wear, the cool things you have. Um, and Jesus is so countercultural. He's saying, no, it's like if your allegiance is to this world, then it's not to me. So I think that this speaks to the relationship that Jesus so, like, desires to have with us. And so I, I think it's easy. I, and you've probably had this moment in church where you've been at an altar where you're like, Jesus, you know I just want to give everything away to you. It's like, Lord, just have your way in my life. Like, I choose you. Then you're like, oh, but Lord, the new iPhone came out and you know it's pretty cool and you know i want some of that and or, or you know like for me in my context like oh my gosh like god i have to pay bills though so like i have to get a I have to really make a job i really have to be successful i have to do all these things we we experience as humans these natural pressures to provide and we feel like god you know You know, think of the challenge. It's like, God, you are, you know, I can't see you. I don't know where you're at. I can't, like, physically, like, touch. You're asking me to believe in this invisible kingdom that will come one day. It's like, how do I really trust in you? When it's like, right before me, I have a bill. Or I'm hungry, and I want Taco Bell (laughs) right now. Or it's like, I could really go out and buy this iPhone, or I want these, these different things. I want to tell you, that response that we've all felt is very human. God is not surprised or worried that you have those feelings. In fact, he's so comfortable with that that the very next verses that Jesus talks about actually addresses this issue because he knows that as humans, you know, we naturally want to do or to accomplish or to fix our own issues. But this is the countercultural message that Jesus is sharing. And so let's go on to, to reading after this in Matthew 6, 25. Keep going, keep going, let's go. 25 reads, For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat, what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them Are you not worth much more than they? 27 reads, And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to your life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil. They do not spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, Solomon being the richest, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, in all of his glory, did not clothe himself like one of these. 30 reads, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and it's gone tomorrow, and thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothings? How will I send out text messages with cool emojis? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And 33, he ends this. This is key. If there's any verse that you key into tonight, look at this one. 33 reads, but seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. And you've heard this before. And all these things will be added to you. Okay. What do these verses tell us about Jesus? They tell us this, when we read verses 25 to 26, actually, I made this really simple. Like, I really simplified this. Trust God for everything, because, 27 to 32, God knows what you need. He really does. He's not surprised by the things that you actually need. 33, and seek first his kingdom, in His righteousness. What does this tell us about Jesus? It tells us the fact that, like, God, like, in America, we do not have good definitions of what relationship is. I mean, look around you. Look at your friends at school. The divorce rates—they're incredibly high. You know, you, you're like, you like someone, and or you're friends with someone, and it's like you get it. You have a friendship. You have a relationship with them, and it's like you're like, will you be friends forever? Eh, I don't know. I mean, we might grow out. I might get other interests. Like, the reality is, we do not live in a society where we have a good example of what it means to have a healthy relationship that continues. And so what our relationships look like, and what maybe many of your relationships look like, is the selfishness of, like, what can I get out of this relationship? How can I be satisfied? How can I, you know, like, get what I need out of these things? And what Jesus came to do, and what he does in Scripture continually is it reveals to us that he wants to redefine your definition of what a relationship is. Meaning that what God truly seeks is for us to become fully and solely dependent on him for all things. So, I want to I put two questions up there that I really kind of want to tease out. And the two questions are this, and it kind of goes along with what I was just talking about. The first one is, do you experience anxiety or fear when thinking about the future in what God has called you to? Man, I just know that in a room this size, there's some of you that God has just spoken amazing things to. You know that he's going to call you to business one day, and you're going to use that business and use those skills you accrue to impact people for the kingdom of God. I know some in this room you want to be psychologists, you want to be counselors, or you want to work with people of disability, and it's like, that is a ministry that God has placed on your heart. And Maybe there's other people here where he's like, man, you know, God actually spoke to me. He wants me to go into full-time vocational ministry. But when you think of what it would take to actually do that, the amount of work and time and money, it's crippling. It's fearful. You realize, like, man, I might not be able to provide for my family or something, and so you're gripped by this fear and this anxiety that like, oh no, like maybe God called me to that, but I don't think I can actually do that. The next question, do you disqualify yourself from being used by God because you think that you are not a good Christian or that you don't measure up? You see, I'm, I also believe too that there's people in here that, man, you grew up in a Christian house or maybe you're, not, you're new to what this thing is and you're like, man, I don't even know what I'm doing here. Like, I'm coming, I'm showing up, I'm doing all these things. I'm trying to, you know, incorporate fasting or giving to the poor or doing these things. And it's like, that's my way of trying to feel connected to something. And it's like, every time you you keep realizing, like, oh my gosh, like, like man, I walk in here and you don't know what I did yesterday. And you don't know what I'm gonna do tonight or what I'm gonna do tomorrow. And you feel like, man, God, like, you know, people keep telling me that God has a plan for my life, but I don't think God can actually use me because I keep messing up. Because I keep, I don't measure up to that standard. Because you have believed the lie, and it is a lie, that having a relation, relationship with God or being used by God is dependent on how well you do this quote unquote religion thing. And you've prioritized religion over starting with the relationship. But I think Jesus is so clear on what to both of these questions the solution is to overcoming this. And it's uh, back in verse 33 Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It does not say, Build first a kingdom. And become super righteous and get your act together and do all these things. Have tons of money, friends, clothing, et cetera, et cetera. And then I will extend my salvation to you. Or then I will extend righteousness to you. You know, (laughs) it doesn't mean have status or have all these things before you come to God. But the reality is what God says and what this says is before any of those things. That your worth, your value in your future is secured Not in your doing, but it's secured. Oh, here, right here. Yeah, I wrote it this way. Your value, your worth, and future is not dependent on your ability to do, to own, or to accomplish, but simply by your ability to abide in Christ, to seek Christ first because like this might be a little revolutionary to you or this might be very countercultural. but the reality is is jesus is not waiting up in heaven he's like oh man i can't wait for this person i can't wait for you to get your act together (laughs) he's not the reality is that god is at your door right now he is knocking and he is saying that i am ready to give you my righteousness to give you my kingdom to let your worth, your value, and your identity be dependent on me if you accept and you abide in me. And then those things, they'll come. And I'll work those things out in your life and in who you are. Does that kind of make sense? Like, that's, that's the God we serve. When you, like, you have to read between these lines in Scripture, of realizing the relationship and what God is revealing, that he is for you, he is with you, and your righteousness is not dependent on making lists or doing or accomplishing, but it's dependent on just saying, like, God, like, you're righteous, and you make me righteous. It says, seek first the kingdom of God, And all these things, the things that he knows that you need, they'll be added to you. You won't have to worry about it. So back to those questions. Do you experience anxiety or fear when thinking about the future, what God has called you to do? Ask yourself this. What are you holding on to? What is it that is so crippling? What is it that is so fearful of letting go that you've yet to surrender it to God? Do you disqualify yourself because you think you're not a good Christian or that you don't measure up? You know, I've said this many times tonight, but the truth is is that this religion, the things that we do, the practices, the gatherings, it flows out of our love for Christ. It flows out of a place of abiding. Get the priorities straight. You don't begin with the doing. You begin with seeking. You begin with the abiding in who He is. The reality is you are qualified, no matter what God does accept you. And it's our opportunity always to just turn towards him and to receive his righteousness and to let the work of God just enter your life and begin to work and transform you. If you are if you like, th- doing this thing, you're like, man, I just want to know God. Like, is it really real? Man, like, <laughs> if I could give you some advice, it would be stop doing, start abiding, be with him, be with him, read his word, be with him. Spend time with him. Realize that, like, God is beyond this gathering. If the only time you engage or even think about God is is this place, then you really need to ask yourself, am I doing the relationship thing or am I doing the religion thing? Because to know God, to grow in God, to mature in God, to really be someone who takes their faith seriously, we have to begin and start with uh, the abiding And so with that, um, there's actually one more verse that we haven't read yet that I kind of want to just end on because I love it. I just think it kind of encapsulates this, and it's verse 34, and verse 34 just says this, do not worry about tomorrow. All right, I like that. (laughs) Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This world would tell you, hey, plan, have all these things together, have everything figured out. But when you walk in relationship with God, when you are truly dependent on him and on who he is, like the reality is that you can trust him for that. And so I just to exhort you guys, I'd encourage you. Like, man, like some of you are very worried about, I don't know, like what this calling in my life or what these things look out like, one day at a time. Your walk with God is a journey that is lived out one step at a time one moment at a time and so I just encourage you the Lord knows and so um actually if you guys want to go ahead and let's go ahead and spread out I want to uh, just uh, as you guys are spreading out and getting ready to worship um I just want to recap in a really simple way what we kind of covered here tonight and kind of give you some points to, to think about or reflect on before we get into our campfire groups. And the first one, just as a recap, is that Scripture, when we read the Bible, man, I hope you guys like, get excited about the Word of God like I do, because Scripture leads us to know the heart of God towards us. Two, our relationship with God begins, oh, it begins by choosing Him over everything that this world has to offer. Saying that my, my, my heart, my life, everything of who I am is surrendered and belongs to Christ first. And you know what the cool thing is? If you surrender to the Lord, what does it say? All these things, these things that you're surrendering, they'll be added back to you. But he wants to know, are you dependent on me? Do you truly depend on me? Three, only in Christ are we made Righteous. By faith alone are we made righteous by His righteousness. And the last one is we need to daily seek to abide in Him. Again, by abide, it means being with Him. There's, I want to tell you a really quick story before the worship begins. This happened just a a few months ago. I was reading Scripture, and, like, in my context, I have to put a lot of small group discussions and things together. So sometimes when I'm reading Scripture, I I get really tempted to, like, as I'm reading it, to really think, like, oh, this would be a good message. Oh, oh, this point connects here, and this connects there. And, like, all of a sudden, I, I was trying to spend time with Jesus, but, like, I began, like, thinking and analyzing and putting these pieces together. And all of a sudden, like a slap in the face, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and he said, Samuel. Be with me. And I was just like, God, like, Lord, I, I fell into the doing. And the reality is, it's good. I, sh- I should prepare for those studies, and we should do those. But we also have to match that time, if not more, with just being with God. And so I was like, okay, God, I'm just gonna read. I'm just going to read just because I want to know you. And I want to know who you are, your heart towards me, your heart towards other people. Because, man, if you want to make an impact in people's lives, we got to start here. You have to start with abiding. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at etchurch.org thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon